Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Polino, trying to use that big frame to spend on Pesci, puts it out for rebound after the save from Ronta. And Nosek can't get to it, and Martinuk will clear. Another good start for Auntie Ronta here in the first three minutes. He's faced five shots. Austin setting up the power play. Shot blasted wide. Marchand able to keep it to Hall. And it's like Bergeron shot, and Ronta gobbles that up. And then some pushing and shoving as Bergeron had a golden chance that was robbed. A quick scoop up as we get a good look at Pasternak. Lead back, trying to stretch pass. It'll roll to Ronta. Ronta tries to clear. Marchand snaps a shot, Kochetkov catches it, and then Marchand has a little stick for him. 
is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold, and I need a beverage. I need a roast beef sandwich. I might need a cigarette. Um, that was something else. I tweeted this out earlier in the program. Actually, I'm going to save that for a second. First, I'm at PNC Arena. They got the vacuums running. John Forslund's going to join us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, that's right, John Forslund, who will have game three of this series in Boston on TNT, if you are so inclined. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the physicality. We're going to talk about Boston's plan with John. We're also going to chat about that uh, just among you and I. Uh, and we'll go through this. Uh, it's a good night for the Carolina Hurricanes and a telling night for the Boston Bruins. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of Boston. <laughs> what? The Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Online, aluminumcompany.com. Sammy Hanna and screw great. I don't think they service the Boston metro area. Uh, all right, let's get to it. Big picture first for me, and then we'll get to some little things about the game. Actually, some big things about the game. Then we'll talk to John Forslund, and we'll try to get everybody out of here. Uh, it's been a late night. That game was long because there were a 1,000 penalties. There were a lot of, oh, we'll just call them discussions. And there was an injury to Ante Ranta. But first, here's what this series looks like to me. I'm going to draw you back a few years in a different sport. National championship game, college football, Alabama-Clemson. This is the year after Clemson beat Alabama. I think I'm trying to remember the, uh, uh, the end of it. Anyway, my point of, 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 of this whole thing is this. There was a sequence in an Alabama-Clemson game in which Nick Saban knew that his team wasn't as good as Dabo Sweeney's team. And so they went, got out of their comfort zone to try to do things that would tip the scales back in their favor. I think there was a tacit admission by the Boston Bruins that the only way they could beat Carolina was to muck it up, was to try to drag the Hurricanes into the muck with them, and maybe that would get Carolina off their game. It did not happen. In fact, when you would think, and I saw it on Twitter, when you would think that the Hurricanes would get dragged into it after David Pasternak took the liberty with Ante Ranta running the goaltender, it doesn't matter if the hit wasn't... I mean, I didn't think the physicality of that hit was that terrible. But you don't hit the goalie. (laughs) That's what Pasternak did. I mean, if it's another player, it's not a penalty. But you don't hit the goalie. That's just not allowed. They called goaltender interference, two-minute penalty. Could have been a five-minute major. Not going to quabble, quabble, quarrel, squabble, whatever it is. Because, again, not a ton of physicality, but Pasternak hit the goalie. Normally, teams would react physically to that. 
The Hurricanes did not get dragged into that. Carolina's response, two goals. That's how you answer that. Because it doesn't do you any good to get into a fight with David Pasternak there, if that's the case. Brendan Smith comes over, whatever. It, doesn't, it just doesn't do you any good. What, is that, what does that prove? And some of the stuff that uh, we talk about on this podcast, being smart, winning the game as opposed to fighting some stupid battle, that's the way you silence the bully. And Boston came into this game clearly with intent to bully, especially if it did not work early. And it didn't work early for Boston, although I thought this game was going down a very similar path. A very similar path to game one. Now, we may, we may remember game one for 5-1 Carolina. 5-1? I think it was 5-1, right? We may remember that. That was a much more even game. Remember, 2-1 late. 2-1 third period after Boston came out really well to start the third. Taylor Hall had the goal. Taylor Hall hit the post. Taylor Hall shot one wide, and that shot wide started Carolina on a two-on-one that was the Vincent Trocek goal. I'm sorry, the Tabo Teravainen goal on a pass from Vincent Trocek. But that was a tight game. That was anybody's hockey game seven minutes into the third period. This game... Boston came off their discipline early. It was their intent to get Auntie Ranta rattled, especially after as well as he played in game one, and he made some, uh, some really big saves early in this game. Boston was on top of Carolina, and just like what happened in game one, Hurricanes take an early penalty, and just like what happened in game one, Boston's power play snapped it around pretty good. They got some good looks. Ronta up to the task. The difference here is that about two minutes after that penalty, Tony D'Angelo took another one. But it was on that penalty, it was on that power play, that the Carolina Hurricanes turned the... that Or not, not that the Carolina Hurricanes, that inadvertently the Boston Bruins were their own worst enemy. The Pasternak hit on Ante Ranta, came during that power play, it eliminated the power play, it came like 20 seconds into the power play, it eliminated the power play, and it ignited Carolina. Because from that point on in the first period, the Canes were the better team. Boston had Carolina hemmed in. At one point, it was 8-2, Shots on goal, edge to the Bruins. And then it flipped. Carolina skated out the four-on-four. They had a feeble attempt at a very short power play. But from that point on, it was Carolina's game. And uh, the one line, Stahl, Nino Niederreiter, Jesper Faust, again, excellent in the game. Nino Niederreiter was my first star. Uh, They had a heavy shift. It ends, stall across from one circle, across to the other circle. Faust on the left side, one-timer, beats Linus Olmark. It's one nothing. About two minutes later or so, similar to what happened in, at the end of the second period in game one. Um, so Faust's goal comes at 13.03. Two and a half minutes later, Sebastian Ajo with the deflection in front. 
Uh, it might have even gone off of McAvoy after uh, Ajo deflected it, uh, but it's Tony D'Angelo in the middle of the ice getting the puck through. Uh, Ajo deflects it down and past Olmark. It's 2-0 Carolina. The building is, I mean, bonkers. And I'm not saying that was it, but it kind of felt like Boston had thrown their punch, it didn't land, and the Hurricanes countered and really staggered the Bruins. That's the way it felt. End of the period, all sorts of craziness. We end up starting the second period. Sebastian Ajo uh, ends up, uh, Carolina gets a five-on-three to start the period. As you know, Carolina and five-on-three power plays, not great. Not great at all. They didn't score, but right after the five-on-three expired, Ajo one-timer from D'Angelo. Boom. 3 nothing. a minute 10 into the second period. Patrice Bergeron would score late on a power play. Uh, just a good net front. By the way, I should have I uh, pointed out that when Pasternak hit Ante Ranta, Ranta came out of the game, bleeding from the mouth. We don't know. Um, my understanding is that he was not in protocol. He was just shaken up on the play. Uh, okay, fine. Let the kid go. Kachetkov, guy can play. We said it before the playoffs. I, I thought that Rod Brindamore would use two goaltenders. He said he, he, he hoped he wouldn't. But what well, we saw, <laughs> Pyotr Kachetkov today, he's the winning goalie because it was 0-0 when he came in and the Hurricanes win it 5-2. He was really good. He didn't have to be great. But he was really, really good. Anyway, he allows a power play goal. He got the first couple, couldn't get the uh, the third try as Bergeron slid it in uh, to the wide side. It's 3-1, but much like what happened in game one when Boston made it a 2-1 game, the Hurricanes answered not too long after that. Four minutes after Bergeron makes it 3-1. Nino Niederreiter as Carolina had another five-on-three uh, Niederreiter forced it through, and that made it 4-1. And I really thought, like in the third period, I thought both teams were just very content to take this, uh, you know, to the end, skate it out, because it really was kind of a lifeless start to the third. Skate it out. Boston was still being chippy and still committing a bunch of penalties. Carolina wasted a ton of power play time, including another five-on-three for about 45 seconds. And they had a four-minute uh, penalty to Forbert. And all of a sudden, Bergeron gets a backdoor pass from McAvoy. And it's 4-2. And there's 7.39 left. And you go, wait a second. This ain't over. And if we do something silly and Boston gets another goal here, suddenly goalie out. And it's a one-shot hockey game. Now, Carolina did find themselves... 4-2 up. Boston's net empty. And Brett Pesci off <laughs> for uh, a high stick with about four minutes to go. Uh, but the power or the penalty kill sort of kicked in. Uh, and the, they killed that penalty. Nino Niederreiter adds the empty net goal. And the Hurricanes skate out with a 5-2 win. Bottom line. The Hurricanes are the better team. Better team in this series. And it's amazing to me what 
the the narrative essentially has been about this series and I am not saying that the Boston Bruins are not a good hockey team they are that's a really good hockey team but here's what we're finding out there is a difference between these two teams that doesn't mean the Bruins can't win Carolina still has to go to Boston and play well if they go to Boston and play well they'll do no worse than a split and let's remember that while the regular season matters nothing when we get to the postseason, what Carolina did to Boston during the regular season was essentially put their best on the ice and say, Boston, you can't match this. The one game here early in the season in October, Carolina won 3-0. It wasn't a great hockey game, but Carolina was slightly better, but it was basically an even game. The two games in Boston one of which did not feature uh, Bergeron and Marshawn. But the two games in Boston, the Hurricanes owned the Bruins. Owned them. And here in this game tonight, the Hurricanes were flat better. Flat better than the Boston Bruins. And I think they are better than the Boston Bruins. I said it today on a radio show. My man uh, Josh Graham, Sports Hub Tryon. What's the difference? No. Sorry, I wasn't trying to be uh, do a, a, a snotty impression of Josh. I uh, apologize. Um, what's, the, what's the difference? The difference is Carolina's 18 skaters are better than Boston's 18 skaters. They're better at a lot of positions. They're better down the middle. Uh, they're better on the blue line. They might be better in goal. I actually think they are better in goal, uh, whether it's Ranta or uh, Kachetkov who came in. Uh, and the kid's good. The kid, the kid has no fear. So they're just better. And in this game, here's what happens when the games are played here and Rod Brindamore has last change. When Rod has last change, it's Stahl, Niederreiter, and Jesper Faust against the Bergeron line. Which, by the way, Bruce Cassidy flipped to... Uh, include David Posternock in the third period. Maybe even middle second period, he flipped it. Uh, Jake DeBrusque had been playing very well on that line with Bergeron and Marchand, and Posternock had dropped down to play with Eric Halla and Taylor Hall. That gave Boston two good scoring lines, and in this series, the Bergeron line has been shut down. Whether that's Jake DeBrusque's fault or not uh, remains to be seen, but Posternock went back up, that's the, uh, the little act of desperation. It's sort of like when the Hurricanes have played Edmonton and ultimately McDavid and Dreisaitl go back together. I've asked Rod Brindamore about that. He said, I'd rather that be the case because now I only have to worry about them on one shift. I don't have to worry about them separated. I don't know if that'll continue in Boston, but when that matchup here would stall out essentially eliminating the effectiveness of the Bergeron line. Now, it's the Ajo line against the Hall line, advantage Ajo uh, or Carolina. The Trocek line against the Charlie Coyle line, advantage Carolina. That, that, that Coyle, Craig Smith, uh, was it uh, Frederick, uh, Trent Frederick? I mean, that line has been invisible to me. Uh, so that's just an advantage, Carolina. And then the fourth line, which didn't play a ton t- 
tonight. I mean, it was they played over 10 minutes. Martinook didn't play a ton. There was so much power play time. Nature's got a lot of power play time. Um, yeah, yes, Perry Kotkaniemi just played over 10 minutes. But that line also has an advantage over Boston's fourth line uh, with Lazar and Felino and whatever. Uh, so Carolina's just better. And then on the back end, Boston tried the adjustment. They moved um, Hampus Lindholm down to play with uh, Brandon Carlo. And they moved Matt Greslick up to play with Charlie McAvoy. And Greslick's a good player, but he's not a top top line defenseman. There's nothing dynamic about him. He's a good enough skater, but he's not amazing. Uh, and then Lindholm left the game with the injury, didn't return. We'll see. Uh, whether or not he'll be able to answer the bell for game three in Boston. But that injury obviously limited the Bruins, and they don't have the same defensive depth they have had in the past. They're good, and McAvoy is a great player, but they don't have the Tory Krug. They don't have Zdeno Chara. Um, and frankly, the last two times these two teams have met in the postseason, Boston was the better team. That is not the case. Can Carolina lose Game 3 and even Game 4 in Boston? Yes. I do not think they will lose two games. In fact, I will not be surprised if Carolina goes up there, does their thing, wins Game 3, takes Game 4, and goes home. And then waits and see what happens with the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. But this was a thorough, thorough effort for Carolina. Sebastian Ajo scored twice. The last play-by-play clip you heard is actually a Nino Niederreiter goal. It did look like Ajo got it. I think Ajo might have touched it, but I think it had already crossed the line. Nino's third of his second of the playoffs, his third came with the empty net. I thought Nino played a great, great hockey game. You heard the play-by-play clip of Nino coming back and diving across the defensive zone. Uh, that was going to be a Marchand across to Bergeron pass for a shot in the dead slot. And Nino came flying on a back check, dove in front of the pass, just deflected it away enough, uh, and made the defensive play. It's those types of things that have made Nino Niederreiter so damn good this year. Uh, so Nino with goals two and three. Sebastian Ajo gets his first and second of the postseason again balanced scoring Tony D'Angelo had three assists tonight I thought Tony was excellent excellent all night I thought Jacob Slavin was great he was one of my three stars Slavin had a couple of assists he was a plus three tonight Uh, Pesci and uh, Brady Shea also very good again and that has been by the way the designated uh, duo when the Bergeron line is on the ice it has been mostly Pesci and the uh, Pesci and Shea out for that, but there was so much craziness. The Svechnikov hit was wild. What an incredible hit on Hampus Lindholm! An incredible hit, clean hit too, flat clean. Nothing bad about it. And of course, you have to fight. Well, no, it wasn't a fight, but you have to. There has to be a scrum after something like that because that's the way it is. Uh, but. Just dynamite Svechnikov with nine hits in the game. Nine hits for Andrei Svechnikov. Just incredible. It was a fun game. Fun game, great atmosphere at PNC Arena. And the kid, uh, Pyotr Kachetkov, he can play. Kid is absolutely legit. 
can play, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in Game 3 in Boston. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to me to see who, who backs up. Um, I, again, I was told that there it was not concussion protocol for Ronta, so two days from now, I fully expect Ronta actually to be the starter. And then maybe Kachetkov gets Game 4 in Boston, which is a quicker turnaround because you go Friday night to Sunday at 12.30. Heck of a game. Heck of a performance by the Hurricane, who are simply flat better than the Boston Bruins. The one and only John Forsland. I think you guys remember John. Um, that was fun. That was, it was interesting. Uh, it was... If I said everything we expected, maybe not, you know, goals and whatnot, but in terms of the way this game was going to be played, I mean, would you, would you, wouldn't that be what you would have expected out of tonight? Uh, yeah, you know, um, for me, it was all about Boston playing better than they did uh, for long stretches in the first game, and I thought they had a lot to the good in the first game and needed to score in the first period of game one and couldn't. And then once they were chasing that game, it was really hard. And I don't think they were anywhere close to where they needed to be in this game. And to the Canes' credit, I mean, they're so good defensively. And they're so good through the middle of the ice. And they're so fast. And they're they're showing Boston that, you know, they can have their way with them. So, um, I don't know. This, this is very interesting. I mean, the Bruins obviously will be at their ultimate best. Uh, in Game 3, Adam, but I'm not sure it's going to be good enough based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, look, I don't like to put a lot of stock in the regular season in Carolina. I thought the first game was basically an even game that Carolina ended up winning 3 nothing. The second goal was a fluke goal. It was a caramoff. Wasn't even supposed to be a shot. Ended up Ends up a goal. Then there was an empty netter. Uh, the two games in Boston, though, were absolute one-sided games. Carolina just owned the Bruins in both games. But I don't put a lot of stock in it. I thought the first game was pretty even. I thought this game, I thought Boston kind of scrambled. When Carolina got the two goals in the first period as their response to the posture knock on Ante Ranta play, and we'll talk about that in a minute, I thought once Boston got behind it, I thought they kind of lost their poise. They did, and they're they're grasping at straws, and they you know they threw the perfection line back together, and and really when they load up like that, I'm not sure that is in their best interest because they don't have a lot of depth. Um, you know their their back end has been cut into now with Lindholm's injury. Um, Cassidy was already forced to jumble up uh, a couple of defense pairings in the second game, which is never good. Um, I thought he changed goalies at the at the start of uh, game two. That didn't happen. Then I thought he'd pull Allmark um, after the third goal, but he elected to stay with him, which is probably the right choice at that point because now Swayman goes into game three uh, likely without any you know baggage from this game, without the Canes getting a chance to see him. So he's using everything to his advantage in the third game. The bottom line is, like every playoff series, the better team always shows up and it's whether or not you can uh, as the weaker team withstand their best and how you do against it. And I don't think the Bruins have measured up at all. Uh, The first period of game one, I thought they were better, but they come out of it scoreless. And then as soon as Jarvis scores in game one, it's a hard game to chase um, because the Canes check so well, they defend so well, they shut down the middle of the ice. They do a lot of things that they don't get 
enough credit for because they're looked at as a team with tremendous skill and speed and a great power play, unbelievable penalty killing. But their penalty killing is an extension of how good and how well coached they are defensively. And, and that's, for me, what really showed in this game. Uh, the second line for Boston, completely ineffective. Uh, Taylor Hall was way better in the first game than he was here tonight. And so when you start to get that problem in terms of depth, that's when you run into a real issue. And so the Hurricanes have to feel great about where they're at after the first two games. Sure, it's a series if the Bruins can win the third game, but uh, the Canes are in a great spot because, to me, they're – they're vastly better than Boston at this point. And Bergeron and Marchand are at the end. You know, I'm not sure if they continue to play after this season. Uh, one or both are, uh, might, or they both might not. And uh, it, they're not dominant anymore. And Jordan Stahl and his line and Jesper Foss was tremendous and has been all season. But that line, especially at home, when Moore can dictate the matchup, is a real, real weapon for the Hurricanes. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next before we got to the physicality and the uh, the Pasternak Ranta thing. Is that after the first ten minutes of Game One, uh, and Berger- Bergeron, by the way, had both goals tonight, so it's not like he. <laughs> I, I don't want to completely completely dismiss his ability to impact the game. This is not the point of this. But after the first ten minutes of Game One, where I thought that line actually was pretty effective, seemed like the stall line, and that's the matchup Rod wants has really kind of controlled them. And right. I even thought right. tonight, too, uh, you know, one was a power play goal. The other was a little bit of a scramble and a puck that didn't get out that maybe should have. Um, but the stall line again. I mean, I don't blame um, for anybody for not wanting to play against that line. Uh, they've been great, really, all year long. The stall line tilted the ice for uh, I'd say 30 seconds before Foss scored. And, and so they, they really showed, you know, their heaviness and, and, and the Canes needed a sequence like that at that point in the game to, to get a hold of it. And for Bergeron, yes, you're obviously he has the two goals, but it's not the same vintage Bergeron. It, it's not the same guy that's dominant in three zones. Uh, he's not dominant in the faceoff circle. He'll win his share had a very good year, but so did Jordan. Um, so at, at, at the worst for the Hurricanes, it's a wash, but it's not a wash. And, you know, Stahl has, has been a great player in the second half and has been a great player in this series, and then that allows the others to do what they need to do. So I think the Bruins, Adam, really have a matchup problem now. They'll get the last change at home, but then what do you do with it, right? And uh, you just it, it turns into numbers and – who's the better team and all of this. And, but the Canes are going into Boston with a clear mind. They're, they're going in there uh, with confidence uh, from the goal out, even with, even with what happened tonight with Ranta. Um, this kid, I, I think he just doesn't even understand where he's at. He's very good. I think he's going to be a very good NHL goalie. But at this point, I'm not even sure he understands the enormity of what he's up against. It doesn't matter. He just needs to go in there and do what he did tonight and play his game because they play so well in front of him. Yeah, they did, they, they did play very well in front of him. I like the. I think the kid is calm. I think I was kind of surprised he went back at Marchand after uh, after the cross check. But I'll, before we get to that, uh, your thoughts on Pasternak uh, versus Ante Ranta in that play? When Boston was uh, was on the power play, yeah, I mean he took a liberty, 
and he and he ran him. Um, I think they got the call right. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate, obviously, that you know Ronta gets hurt, um, but I didn't see a major there. I, I, I didn't see a, a complete malicious running of the goalie. I think it was a you know um, uh, one of those intentionally by accident, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, you know, one of those plays you want to get in the goalie's kitchen, and he was penalized for it. Uh, it's unfortunate that there was an injury on the play, but I, I don't think he completely laid him out and uh, malicious intent to injure and, uh, you know, ejection from the game and all that. I think they got the call right, in my opinion. Yeah, my, my feeling was that he knew what he was doing. I didn't think the contact mm-hmm. was that cra- was that crazy. I didn't think uh, it wasn't no. like, you know, Ronta got knocked into the uh, into the corner, um, but I think he knew what he was doing. And I kind of well, think that that a, was their plan going in because that was yeah. not the first time he was bumped. No, and it's a compliment. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a tough one for for Ronta. We will find out you know how severe it is, but um, it's a compliment to how well he was playing. So he played so well in game one, and he was really dialed in at the beginning of game two. And the Bruins are like, all right, we need to stir the pot here. Yeah. So they're on the road. It's like going into the hornet's nest. Uh, it's playoff hockey, and they took a liberty. They were penalized for it. And that's it. Uh, no call in the play, then it's egregious and you can complain and, <laughs> and Rod can throw a fit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they did call a penalty on the play, but I, I really don't think it was a, a malicious attempt to injure or take him out that way. It was, a, it was to get in his kitchen. It was to get him off his game. It was to get the Canes to run around a little bit and retaliate. Uh, the Bruins understand they're not better than the Hurricanes. And so they're going to try and utilize everything they can to get underneath their skin and their most uh, dominant and, and, and the guy who's m- most visible in terms of that stuff, Marshan has been ineffective. Yeah. Um, he, he just isn't himself, whether he's injured or like I said, he's, he's gassed. Who knows? Uh, we'll find out at the end of the series, but he's not the same player. Yeah, it's a, I, the analogy I draw is a few years ago, Alabama and Clemson are playing in the national championship game. And there was some time, it was like late first quarter, early second quarter, and Nick Saban did something he would never do, like uh, an onside kick or a fake field goal, because he knew that he needed to do something out of the ordinary to beat Clemson. I feel, I I got the sense during this game that that's where Boston was, that they they feel like they might have to do something out of the ordinary to beat Carolina. That's what it's going to take. And it's going to take sensational goaltending in, in game three from likely Swayman. Yeah. And it's going to take a break and it's going to take, you know, a lot of emotion, but that's, listen, I grew up in the 1970s when the Boston Bruins tried to run the Montreal Canadians. <laughs> right. It doesn't work when you're, when you're not, when you're inferior, it is, you have to beat them straight. You have to beat them with good balanced, strong hockey and right now the key to any playoff game as you know is the neutral zone the center of the ice and the canes when they're at their best regular season and now in the postseason control the middle of the ice you can't get started and that's why their penalty killing is so good yeah they 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 do uh boston you know they had a couple they did have a power play goal tonight but uh, for the most part, the last two power plays in Game One just stand out because they, I mean, Boston barely got the puck uh, inside right. the zone. Do you think the Bruins are trying to 
either bully or try to goad Carolina into changing their game? Yeah, I would think so. And I think it's a logical uh, progression. It's a logical method uh, against the Hurricanes if you can get away with it. Um, but the, the thing about it is, if, if you're not going to get a sniff with your power play, and yes, they did score later with it, but at the right time of a game to be successful with your power play, if you, if you can't even get momentum, never mind score, um, they can't even get any momentum going, uh, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time playing that game. So the Bruins are going to have to figure out line balance. They're going to have to decide when they go home, is the perfection line reunited for good? Um, at what expense is that? Because really the key to their late season success was when they moved 88 Pasternak yeah. to the second line. Hall has been completely off his game. He was pretty good in the last six weeks of the regular season. He's really showing the warts I think he showed as a hurricane in this series. Um, Taylor Hall was great in game one, I thought. Maybe one of their best players. Mm-hmm. Not even effective tonight. And then you get to Coyle's line. And, and they really don't do much. And they're supposed to be a heavy line. And they're late to pucks. They're in and around some things that look like they might be able to get it done. But it's not there. And then how long can the Bruins be effective with their forecheck? In both games, it was early. Yeah. And then it just goes away. So there's nothing sustained in what they've been able to do in six periods of hockey. So there's no conclusion here. There's no reason to believe that they're magically going to go home and everything's going to get better. The only way it does, again, is if their their goaltending is very superior and, you know, Swayman becomes, you know, like a like a Cam Ward situation back in, in 06. Um, if he goes into the third game and all of a sudden he gets hot, little different they get some momentum they win the third they get the four they win that one but to to beat the canes right now and this setup these two teams the way they match up back to back i don't see it happening i i really don't so i see the canes either sweeping this thing or coming back three one i hope that's not a jinx (laughs) i just what i see i mean i that's it i don't believe in jinx i just don't see anything at all that you, you know, and you look for it, like you look for, okay, in game one, the third period, right? Yeah. Third period, Boston was moving. They were cooking again. They, they, Hall gets the goal. Then Hall hits the goal post. Yeah. Then Hall has a clean look and he misses the net by four feet and it's transitioned out for a two on one goal. Game over, right? Yep. And then the Canes get back to where they need to be. There was nothing really in the third period that was, you know, a, a real threat. There were some circumstances and power plays and a couple flurries and, and the kid did, did a great job under those situations, but they have to force him, the goalie to, uh, to, to make recovery saves, to, to be under pressure to, uh, you know, he, he, he hasn't done that yet. Uh, in the games that he's played, he's had to be technically sound and make saves and good saves. And he's been able to do that. All right. Final thing. Um, just the maturity of this team. Um, the difference in Sebastian Ajo. Now, I believe in 19 he was hurt in Boston, in the series that started in yeah. Boston. He went, Brock McGinn was taking faceoffs, and Sebastian Ajo was on the, on the ice, and it wasn't like he was kicked out of the right. circle. Uh, so I believe he was injured. The following year, they lose to Boston in the second round. It's a closer series, but Boston was still the better team. Uh, but what have you seen in terms of the maturation of him, the maturation of Andre, who delivered the... The hit heard round the NHL tonight on Hampus Lindholm. That was just clean and, I mean, just wild. But what have you seen about the the, 
the maturity of Aho and, and even Svechnikov. All of them. I mean, it's it's they're taking the next step. They got a long way to go. It's obvious. Yeah. Um, but that hit is is was one of the best clean, violent hits you're going to see. And and Aho's game, and he's had his moments where I'm sure he's frustrated Rod defensively this year. Um, you know, he's always got to keep the pressure on him um, to make sure he's there. The safety valve in their lineup is stall. Um, and then Trocek gives them a pretty good two-way game. So they've, they've got insulation there. Um, but Ajo's at another level. Um, Slavin's even now at a different level. Um, you can see it. This is their time. I mean, it, it really is. Because if, if they don't go very deep this year, um, you know, there's going to be more decisions made and the roster's going to have to undergo somewhat of a change and you just never know. So um, this is the time. Um, right now, you you got a little bit of an unknown uh, situation in goal. That's dangerous. Um, but they're going to have to get through this first series. They're well on their way. Um, they have all the ingredients. And what I like about them is 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 their team game, which um, has continued to grow year after year and is, is better than it's ever been. But you know what? Their team game was pretty good in 19. It was really good in the bubble. Uh, but the Bruins have always had their number. Um, Tampa Bay, I think, right now believes if they ever face them again, they, they might have their number. Um, that's where you see a team take another step, is the fact that the Canes have gotten, in this matchup against Boston, they've gotten past that. Uh, the Bruins have gotten older in key areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pushed hard at the end of the year. Maybe they're a little bit gassed. It, it doesn't matter. Um, this, is, this is the playoffs where everything's straight and the better team wins. And right now, the better team are the Carolina Hurricanes, plain and simple. Friday, we'll be watching TNT, and thanks to my VPN, I will get a chance. The VPN is a wonderful thing. Uh, John and Keith Jones, I'm excited for that. Uh, And down the road, I hope we get more John Forzen on TNT. I I don't know if I told you this. One of my favorite things this year, you did a game right after the Olympics, or maybe it was during the Olympics, uh, that yeah. that break that was supposed to be, uh, you did a game for TNT. They go back to the studio, and Liam McHugh could not have been more happy <laughs> to have John Forslund on the call. I thought that made me feel good. That should make me feel good. Well, yeah, it it cost me about a hundred <laughs> bucks, but he said it, which is good. Um, but yeah, it's great, and it was great to do a few games for them in the regular season, and somehow figure out my schedule. And um, I'm very happy. I'm very happy to be working with them. And uh, we'll see where it all goes. But the, this is uh, this is exciting for the market here. Um, glad to be home for a few days and re-energized for the playoffs. But uh, it's good to see the Canes playing at the level they are right now. Really good. John Forzen, I'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much. Okay, Adam. You got it. All right, a couple of quick numbers before we get out of here. The Hurricanes, two for nine on the power play. Uh, Boston was one out of five. Once again, the Canes win the faceoff battle, 55% to 45% physical game. First of all, you knew that this game was going to be that way, right? Everybody knew that Boston was going to come out and try to do this. I knew it. You knew it. The people sitting around me on press row knew. We all knew that was going to happen. Because that was Boston's path. And it didn't work. And Carolina played it straight. Carolina showed what they got. 
and Boston can't get to that level. 107 points, nothing to sneeze at. But we forget. And it's it's amazing to me we're still dealing with this. I mentioned this. I Look, I hate to play the we don't get any respect card because that's not what this is about. There is still a tendency to look at the Hurricanes and see, eh, not really a playoff team. Wrong. They are built like a playoff team. They don't have, have necessarily the, the big bodies, but they don't back down. They do not back down. Seth Jarvis did not back down tonight. Sebastian Ajo did not back down tonight. These guys are ready. They are ready for it. They, are, they will give it back. And it's a good thing because they're going to need it because I think Boston is doing what other teams are going to try and do and try to intimidate Carolina. But uh, this, is, this has been fun. I knew Boston would do this. I'm not surprised. 45 hits for the Bruins, 33 for Carolina. A whole bunch of penalties in this game. Um, it's just what there, – there was even a little bit of, uh, you know, a meeting on the ice after the game was over. We're just, we're just not done with each other. I didn't love the power play for Carolina, especially in the third period. I thought they wasted a bunch of power play time in the third period, uh, but they got away with it and got out of there. Uh, and Kachetkov played well in relief of Antiranta. We'll see what happens for game three. Anything else? I don't believe so. Canes win it. Sebastian with two goals. Jesper Foss with a goal. It was a great shot. Uh, Nino with two goals. And Kachetkov with... How many? What, 28 saves in net for Kachetkov? Let me get the official total uh, for Piotr. Uh, I'm sorry, 30 saves for Piotr Kachetkov. Whoa, I almost cursed. Uh, it could have been one of my stars. My stars, by the way, Jacob Slavin, three. Sebastian Ajo, two. Nino Niederreiter, one. Nino's been good. Uh, all right, until uh, Friday when, uh, when the madness continues. I'm Adam. Uh, we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you know where to go. Aluminumcompany.com. Sammy Hanna's crew are great. Free no obligation estimate available to you online. You want to make your home more beautiful, more energy efficient? That's where you go. Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Follow the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can give us a rating if you like. Uh, not required. All I ask, follow it, listen to it, enjoy it, engage with us. You can reach me on Twitter at all times at a gold fan. Game three, Friday night in Boston. See how much we got left in this series. See ya. Artist taken in the wall and had the puck taken away by Brandon Carlo. Svechnikov in the corner. And Lindholm with the medical staff out there quickly. Wobbly as he got up and Lindmark, Hallmark went over to help Lindholm get up on his feet. The breeding of the wrestling match continues. And the, the brusque had a Sebastian Ajo tied up. Brady Shane jumps in. Bajo, Svechnikov is being led to the box as is Brandon Carlo. And they're still checking out Hampus Lindholm, who got blasted by Svechnikov. 
This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsband.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.